0: Welcome to CII Podcasts. Hello and welcome to this CII Podcast. I am Vivian Fernandez. In this episode, we talk about leveraging technology in agriculture. The Green Revolution was a product of technology, it helped us stave off hunger and feed a growing population. It is estimated that between 1961 and 2018, global area under cereals increased by 12% but productivity increased by 201% and production by 238%, all because of technology. But we cannot practice input-intensive green revolution agriculture when faced with climate change. To discuss climate-smart agriculture and related aspects, we have with us Mr. Suram Kudi Sivakumar, Group Head of Agri Agri and IT Businesses at ITC and Chairman of CII's Core Group on AgTech. Mr. Sivakumar, welcome to this podcast and good to have you over.
1: Thank you, Vivian. Pleasure joining
0: you. Uh, Mr. Sivakumar, according to Niti Aayog member Ramesh Chan, between 1965 and 2015, India's food production expanded by 3.7 times, while its population increased by 2.55 times. India is not only self-sufficient, it is also an agricultural exporter. Yet support for chemical-based agriculture is declining. The Green Revolution seems to be a victim of its own success. Yeah, it's a natural transition. Uh, One
1: doesn't need to use uh, the phrases like victim of its own success and so on. So there were times over these years, like you said, what Green Revolution contributed to and there are times. Uh, when we need to be uh, cognizant of uh, what must be done. Obviously, there's a uh, change in uh, technologies, uh, what we can harness now, how we can ensure that uh, further production uh, can uh, help on many different dimensions that uh, were limited uh, so far in the past. And certainly, one can look forward to uh, newer technologies uh, that will take us to the next stage in the evolution of mankind,
0: mm-hmm. but Sivakopar, can we go away from a chemical based agriculture? Look at what is happening in Sri Lanka. That state, that country decided to go organic and it seems to have suffered a catastrophe over there. So, these won't be
1: all or none solutions to my mind. Uh, it won't be that 100% of all farming will be chemical free or 100% of all farming will be intensive chemical usage. It is unlikely to be that kind of an all or none uh, that we would see you know if you look at the uh, the uh, chemical free farming uh, there were two drivers uh, at, at different points of time uh, why this was being sought the first round was really the consumer preference saying that you know it is uh, from the perspective of food safety and health and uh, so on and that's how organic uh, produce came into being consumers were willing to pay price premium and certification agencies evolved and all of that happened this round of chemical farming is being sought in response to lower farmer profitability rising input prices uh, besides the consumer perspective that was there and even if one has to scale while it is uh, unlikely to be a solution for uh, several millions of acres it is possible to conceive a few million acres of chemical farming but in order to grow it uh, we need to uh, solve uh, a couple of challenges uh, in the first instance you know the green revolution or other conventional technologies operated in the last mile paradigm uh, discover something in the lab and take it to the land message is communicated farmer practices that and then enhances the yields and improve the quality and uh, so on and so forth. And it was uh, uh, primarily in uh, wheat and barley. Uh, when it comes to uh, chemical free, uh, the paradigm shifts to a first mile because all the practices that are typically used in a chemical free agriculture still to protect the yields and improve quality and uh, conserve usage of resources and all of that, whether it is crop rotation or intercropping or using cover crops. And, Uh, zero tilling, conserving biodiversity, uh, improving the nutrient quotient of soil, or water retention capacity of soil, all these kind of features need to be discovered through action learning on farms in multiple micro locations. So it is a first mile uh, method that is required uh, to ensure that all the outcomes are uh, realized. And unless we create institutions who can do it, scale from where we are to a more significant level uh, will remain uh, potentially uh, an aspiration or a demand but uh, it will not become a a significant reality so uh, I think that uh, would be uh, one challenge to deal with the other important challenge is that uh, while this action learning and discovery happens the yields drop uh, because whether it is the nutrients or crop protection and all of that where uh, chemical usage is done uh, when you stop using it uh, the yields would drop until you really realize what are the alternative nature friendly practices which can also uh, improve the yields again so for this interim period of uh, two years three years four years uh, the farmer has to be uh, offset through uh, whether it's a price increase or it is through cross-subsidization by somebody uh, in order for this to become economically viable uh, for the farmer. And uh, and obviously uh, that's what limits uh, the market potential also in terms of how many consumers will be willing to pay what kind of a premium uh, for what is a chemical free consumption. But Obviously more optimal solution uh, for the larger part of agriculture will be uh, a more responsible usage of chemicals uh, ensuring uh, the the residues are below the tolerance level and a a small but sizable segment which could be uh, chemical free farming uh, to deal with a certain consumption if if the entire farming becomes chemical free even assuming uh, the the, uh, challenges are sorted out that i pointed out uh, then there will be no more premium uh, for the uh, produce because everything is uh, uh, similarly produced and therefore that incentive goes up.
0: So I think... Yeah, but Sivakumar, can organic farming match the kind of productivity that chemical agriculture gives us? Theoretically, yes. Uh, theoretically,
1: yes. What is required is, like I said, the first-mile paradigm of multiple local discoveries. Yeah, Uh, productivity uh, matching and uh, exceeding and certainly far more sustainable in terms of for much longer periods of time all of that is possible it's been demonstrated over uh, smaller uh, clusters of a few thousands of acres and uh, and at the most a few hundreds of thousands of acres but if you have to say there is uh, even just looking at India and say 150 million hectares uh, certainly uh, this kind of first mile discovery is practically not possible uh, because the institution that require first mile learning on uh, 120 million farmers plots is not conceivable it certainly is possible to visualize uh, 5 million hectares of that magnitude after some time but unlikely to be beyond that productivity itself is i don't think uh, a challenge, but it is really translating that into a reality on 150 million hectares in 120 million farmers' plots is what will be uh,
0: the challenge. Uh, Studies show that pre-1900 agriculture would have supported not more than 3.5 billion people with the current land under cultivation. It was the invention of uh, the Haber-Bosch process of converting atmospheric nitrogen into ammonia for uh, use as fertilizer which revolutionized agriculture and which enables us to support uh, close to 8 billion people. So organic, in my view, can be niche. Um, It cannot be a solution to feeding a growing uh, population.
1: No, we are not disagreeing on that front. When I say 5 million hectares of 150 uh, can be organic. That productivity, if it can be done in one farm, it can be done in every other farm Uh, is the argument that I'm using, that theoretically it is possible to convert everything into chemical-free, but practically it will not be possible to discover that on a micro level uh, for 120 million farmers uh, individually, because each one's context is very different in terms of what needs to be done. Unlike a largely uh, single uh, solution fits all paradigm of lab-to-land technology, This is really a a self-discovery in multiple places, aided by appropriate facilitators. So uh, it is uh, theoretically certainly possible. We don't need to uh, say that productivity will definitely drop beyond the initial period when the learning is happening and adjustment is taking place. But to conceive a situation where 100% of all farming uh, will be chemical-free is... uh, Certainly, somewhat out of scope uh, on the basis of what we can uh, visualize today. But it is uh, digital technologies as they evolve and all of that. If really that becomes the necessity, I'm sure uh, you cause some other solutions will be found. But as things stand, uh, what I visualize is five out of 150 potentially becoming chemical-free farming, and uh, whether that is already mainstream uh, are that is niche, uh, it's just a question of applying a label to it Uh, but that's the dimension of what is possible.
0: Mm -hmm. So when people you know there's a big clamor for organic when the government is promoting traditional or paramparagat, krishi, zero budget, natural farming and so on, when people mean uh, organic, do they actually uh, mean safe food because there seems to be a backlash against the overuse of chemicals, against the residues in um, uh, in food produce so basically people don't in my view they, they are not so much against chemicals, the agri-chemicals provided that used judicially and responsibly and uh you know the food is safe
1: no so there, there are as i said multiple dimensions right like i began safe food is one dimension and and therefore the uh, potential solution to it for the the larger part of agriculture is how do you really do it in a responsible manner, appropriate usage and then keep the tolerance levels lower and all of that is uh, one aspect. But there is also uh, the uh, responsibility from the perspective of the uh, soil sustainability, the uh, water retention in the soil, the costs of doing all of this and therefore what it would mean for the profitability of the farmer Uh, like you started saying uh, we have surpluses to export now and uh, if the surpluses need to be exported uh, obviously need to be competitive from a price perspective and uh, if the prices cannot go up if the input costs keep rising of all these chemicals for whatever other reasons then obviously there is the perspective of farmer profitability and that is the other driver from which the current chemical free farming Uh, is also being uh, pushed, so it is multiple dimensions which are there and food safety uh, was the original driver and uh, therefore uh, uh, it will be limited to uh, that extent.
0: Yeah, certainly sustainability is very important, we need to conserve our soils, we need to increase the organic carbon content, we need to use chemicals along with farm yard manure Soil is not just about chemicals. It's also about the physical composition. You mentioned water retention, as well as uh, creating a congenial, um, you know, ecology for uh, microbes, Absolutely. beneficial microbes, to thrive. Now, when people want organic and to be, and if they want to be reassured of organic or chemical free or less chemical free, w- w- I mean, would you say that block blockchain technology would provide them that reassurance? Because I see a lot of digital startups. Now actually investing in uh, blockchain technology uh, to tell consumers that a particular produce is coming from a particular field that has been certified organic. Or for example, when they buy Basmati, you know, that it comes from regions which have a geographical indicator certification as being the areas where Basmati can be produced. So what role does blockchain technology have And is your company, as a big agricultural um, produce seller, use blockchain technology?
1: See, one blockchain certainly can potentially help, uh, but once again, much like organic farming, uh, we talked about, it is extremely niche and uh, used at a very, very small level as yet in agriculture, uh, because there are multiple uh, problems. One is the cost of deploying the technology. And two, uh, business model uh, to capture the value out of uh, whatever cost and infrastructure that is uh, deployed. And blockchain by design is a system that would work where many to many transactions across the chain are what really gets uh, uh, certified by the multiple players and then get uh, put onto a publicly shared ledger. So that distributed, access is what really creates value but given that uh, our system where we can reach the consumers with uh, private traceable solutions uh, of uh, uh, in a manner that can still assure the consumer whether it is through uh, a brand whether it is through uh, in-house technology platforms which are uh, far less expensive in terms of deployment And in any case, when you go to a a publicly distributed ledger, the implementation uh, challenges of reliance on multiple certifiers, our self-certification that is happening. How can one uh, really use that uh, to assure the next leg in the chain? So I think many of these aspects uh, need to be sorted out. I think the the, uh, principle level discussion is no different from what we just had in uh, organic versus the uh, chemical or chemical-free-agriculture context, that there are multiple issues that need to be sorted out in the system before any of these really become mainstream. So it is possible to conceive uh, a situation where uh, private uh, blockchains can be set up in the first instance and as the business model gets discovered, uh, they can get uh, expanded to uh, collaboration into public-distributed ledgers
0: also. I'm quite persuaded by some startups which are using uh, near-infrared spectroscopy, artificial intelligence, and data science to determine, for example, the oil content in mustard, the curcumin content in turmeric, the active ingredient in chilies that gives them their pungence or the pungency or the broken leaf count in uh, teas. So these uh, technologies, they are not only expensive, they are also very So, do you think that these technologies can uh, bring about a quality revolution in Indian agriculture?
1: So, very similar response like I had on blockchain. Uh, Individually, each of these uh, technologies uh, can certainly solve a problem. And that's what we call a point solution. But in order for this to translate into a better uh, product for the consumer, are a higher income for the farmer or for a, a more structured market uh, place operating. Many other co-innovations need to occur in terms of the uh, integration uh, of all of these. Uh, by itself and uh, quality can be discovered uh, and the quality factored pricing can become a possibility. How does the rest of the chain get organized itself in terms of uh, uh, the aggregation of goods and uh, payments and uh, pricing uh, differences for different kinds of qualities and how in turn uh, it can further get aggregated at the next level and finally reach a consumer. So unless the uh, end-to-end chain for uh, from the consumer to the producer and producer backwards in terms of the uh, input and other financial service providers get connected uh, at one level and similarly end-to-end for the farmer uh, in terms of uh, multiple solutions coming together to translate that into uh, more uh, money in the hands of the farmer, uh, wide-scale adoption uh, would still uh, be a challenge. Certainly, by itself, each of these solutions are uh, remarkable and will be very, very important uh, pieces in the the larger puzzle that we need to solve for Indian agriculture because. Uh, The systems uh, problem that we need to solve is that none of these in isolation is a silver bullet for Indian agriculture. We need to deliver the food or other uh, output, uh, fiber, fuel, whatever that the consumers want, uh, starting with food uh, in which we are, context in which we are talking. Uh, Whatever are the traits desired by the consumer are delivered to the consumer. Second is really that the farmer incomes have to rise. Third, our natural resources must get conserved and we must be able to uh, live within the boundaries of this planet. And fourth, uh, whatever that we are doing in the food production must be climate resilient uh, like you have said uh, in your uh, remarks. So all four need to be seen in a systems manner and solved together. Digital technologies certainly have the potential to do that. Uh, And uh, all of these individual piecemeal solutions uh, will be multiple uh, pieces in that puzzle, but all of that needs to be solved in a systems manner uh, to be able to see that, okay, now we have uh, a different future
0: for Indian agriculture. Sivakoma, did we not be more open to genetic modification technology? Certainly the discussion on
1: uh, gene uh, technologies must get far more nuanced than again, all or none, uh, like we talked about in another context. Uh, You know, there are obviously, like there are side effects of the uh, Green Revolution because of heavy uh, input usage, Uh, there are similar potential side effects for uh, the uh, gene technology as well. And consequently, how does one deal with it? How does one limit those potential side effects as we get onto this journey is very important. As the beneficial gene gets transferred from a a completely uh, unrelated organism, that really became a mainstream uh, conversation. And uh, the implications of that obviously are potentially far-reaching, but there are, as the technologies evolved, uh, multiple possibilities of exactly what we were doing in the conventional breeding, it is also possible uh, to do it from uh, a wild relative uh, of the same uh, species and uh, as we call it cisgenets and uh, ensure that the uh, potential side effects are no different from what it was in the conventional breeding except that you got far more targeted and far more sharp in terms of how the breeding is done Uh, and now uh, with the help of identification of those kind of uh, beneficial genes for multiple traits uh, not just uh, yield increase but also many other consumer desired traits whether it is longer shelf life whether it is taste and uh, lower amount of uh, allergens and whatever many possibilities with the sharper molecular breeding and many other evolutions in technologies whether it is uh, genomics for uh, mapping or bioinformatics for appropriate uh, uh, library for maintaining and technologies to uh, bring it all of that are there but so long as we are able to see it not as an all or none uh, either this way or that way kind of an option but a more nuanced manner in the way in which the side effects are potentially uh, limited uh, through calibrated uh, opening up and uh, creating a, uh, a regulatory framework as to where the data is organized from. So we are designed for all our uh, trials and various kinds of uh, legs in the approvals of the conventional uh, technologies. Uh, very similarly, uh, something needs to be designed and uh, we'll have a more predictable uh, kind of a regulatory environment. So I think that that is uh, the approach. I think so long as we l- limit ourselves, uh, our uh, whole discourse to all or none, uh, the progress will get uh, very, very challenged.
0: So Kumar, there are so many issues to discuss with you because you've got so many insights and so much of experience in this field, but I'm afraid we have uh, run completely out of time. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. and. Uh, giving us your insights and your valuable time. It's a pleasure chatting with you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to CII Podcasts.